you're here for a fabulous part two of we still don't know what this episode is called, but it's about spiritual abuse in India. <laughs> so rise up and claim back your power. Thanks for listening. And so, um, <laughs> so no, the the Middle Earth, you know, like there's a conspiracy that Hitler didn't actually kill himself. He like went to the top of the earth that he fell into. With the, the middle lizard of it. people? Are the lizard people? Yeah, yeah, in the yeah. The lizard earth? people. Is that there. true? Maybe they're there. Nodding. That I can believe, but flat earthers, hell no. True, true, true. I'm more inclined to believe lizard people than the, <laughs> that the earth is flat. I'm for reals. I'm not anyway, even. Anyway, I told that story. It. I have not told that story since probably 2005. I've known you a long time, and I've never heard that story. I don't tell that story I very like often because I was so traumatized of it. by it. But I never heard that And I didn't tell you the whole story. That people died. There are so many more parts to that story having to do with witch- I have witches. so There were lots many. of witches so in that So that's what I know about the witches. I know we've talked about... So- okay, yes. I have so many questions. But that's a little what, bit... This, uh, it's, that's too much of a tangent for this. And another, I need to sort out this story. A whole other episode, perhaps. But or just me and you and a, a lot. couple bottles of wine. Yeah. We will get to the nitty gritty of that one. But what that did teach me was that the spirit of God in me was true. Yeah. That I didn't have to be a married male leader to lead mm-hmm. in the spirit. I may not have had a, a physical power, position of power. Yeah. But I did have a spiritual position yeah. of power. Because I did speak up. I did. And I still, right. I still, I survived. It was, I don't want to get it too much in there because it gets real shady. But not on Ooh. my account, but on their account. No, I get but it. But I did still. not go to church for a long, time after long that long time after that because i got messed up see that's so sad too because i think i don't know there's just so much there's so many um ramifications that's not the word i want consequences that's not the word i want collateral damage yeah all of those are good words but yeah collateral collateral damage damage that happens from spiritual abuse and i mean i think probably if you actually i'm just thinking of people i've known over my life that have had issue with the church and just don't go or don't want to don't you know they don't have any desire to i think probably 98 percent of it would be because they experienced some form of spiritual abuse oh yeah and they probably can't even name that and say that that's what it is they but they have this feeling or they share this they'll share something like well this pastor did was like this or people were hypocrites that's something you hear all the time, time which sounds super cliched but that hypocrite mentality from looking outside of the church and looking in and seeing hypocrites i mean some of that is and it can be spiritual abuse because it's people yeah. over here acting like they're holy yeah and that they're right and that they have the true interpretation of scripture and they have the way forward and they're chosen to be a leader and that everybody else is relegated to be under their control and manipulation yeah and but then they can go off and also do whatever they want on the side which everyone knows instinctually is wrong yeah it doesn't matter whether you're christian or not everybody just knows that's wrong yeah and what makes me think when you think about hypocrites what would make somebody call somebody else a hypocrite so you say that you're all is it this is it you say you're all holy but then i see you drinking Mm -hmm. okay i mean that may have been like a 1999 crime and we don't really care about that now but what is causing this idea of hypocrisy is it that you're claiming to be a thoroughly 
loyal man both to God and let's say your spouse, but you've got mistresses on the side. Is it that bad? I mean, some I mean of it is what, that. what's happening here and what is the conflation? Like if so much hypocrisy is happening, is it because we're presenting ourselves as one way and then we're actually the other? Mm-hmm. Or is there an expectation that we ought to be a certain way if we're leaders in the church and mm-hmm. we're not meeting that expectation? I don't know. I, I'm interested in hearing about both. that because I, I think it is both too. But I mean, it's interesting if the Mars Hill podcast, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, which I know I talked about on Deconstructing, because it's like still top of my mind and there's so much in it that I'm still mentally unpacking. But the part of their whole premise is talking about why are people, why is the church attracted to narcissists? Yeah. Like we are actually when i say we i mean i'm not but some of y'all are drawn to narcissists so much so that you submit your life to them yeah and let them lead you in spiritual context i mean i know it's really easy for me to like be a a quarterback what's that what's that phrase couch what's that phrase couch quarterback quarterback armchair cat armchair quarterback <laughs> if it's a sports metaphor the likelihood of my knowing it is low evan was miming miming it no, that's not the word <laughs> he was um he i'm was, sitting here like i don't he was i got nothing pantomiming for me um okay i still don't remember what it is but that person i know it's easy for me to make that and pretend like i'm it's so easy i can sit over here and say it i would never but even listening to the podcast, I'm like, I would never, I would never. But I mean, maybe I would have been victim to someone like a Driscoll. And if I saw lots of really know, beautiful things happening and there were lots yeah. of powerful, like one thing that's very clear is that lives were being transformed that's in Mars Hill. That's confusion. Right. Well, that is how, but that's also, well, two things I want to say about that. And my friend Holly, who I, I mean, I don't think she would mind me mentioning her in this. Um, she she shared something with me a couple of weeks ago that has really stuck with me as I was listening to that episode too. Episodes also is she was saying she realized how two people inside of a church can have two radically different experiences. Interesting. Yeah. And how you can come you can come out like shiny and polished and be like, I just had a transformative life experience inside of this church with this community of people this family and it was all all good and then another person can come out of that same church system and be like i was abused abandoned shamed beat up and i don't even know what i think about god anymore Hmm. because the way that the system is structured it does allow for that yeah there has to be some measure of like really great stuff happening in the case of marcel and other churches what they do is they actually point to the big things happening yeah to justify the means yeah. to justify their position of power to justify their control to continue to point to why he's the chosen one or whatever the whatever the narcissist is that of, what they call well him? no i'm just saying Ooh. whatever the narcissist of the day is whoever yeah. like a lot of a lot of <laughs> they know like psychologists know narcissists go into being surgeons pastors and politicians those are the careers that they're most drawn to well there's a reason for that they're put in a position to be able to flex muscle have control power over people's lives make big decisions look important feel important and they want they're fed that and so good things are happening people's lives are being changed and they can continue to 
let that change underscore why they should stay the leader. Yeah. Because they're helping produce that glorious outcome. Why would we ever boost them out of here? I love it. And the other thing you said, pastors, surgeons, and politicians. Politicians, yeah. So think about also, when you think about the nature of supremacies, supremacies occur when any specific community or group of people or person itself or himself is centered Mm. and is centered and given power without earning Mm -hmm. that power. And when you look at surgeons, when you look at pastors, when you look at politicians, the thing that they get, almost carte blanche, is power. Mm -hmm. And they get fame and and they also almost without fail get benefit of the doubt. That's right. The benefit of the doubt is so huge. They essentially don't ever have to explain themselves. Oh, I mean, I don't want to keep talking about Mark Driscoll, but he's a great example of a narcissist that um, he didn't apologize for a mother effing thing. I mean, I kept listening to it thinking, oh, maybe he's going to like actually like maybe at some point, I mean, this is a man of God. He claims he's a man of God. He claims he loves Jesus. At some point, this dude is going to say, oh, wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said that. Even if it's like one time for some offhanded, you know, misogynistic comment of which he makes, you know, thousands. Um, he apologized for nothing. It will ever. By nature of being a narcissist, I don't think he That's can. That's what I'm saying. I mean, when you think about that, I can't. I, just, I mean, he sounds more like a sociopath. No, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I can't. But I just think it's fascinating. Like, there is no accountability in that sense. There is no accountability for them. Yeah. But then one of the other hallmarks of spiritual abuse systems, and we were also talking about this before we started recording, is enforced accountability to other people. So inside a lot of church systems that are abusive, enforced accountability is essentially where you – I mean, there's so many stories of this. You can go to blog posts and read – I have done it one night and I just cried like hundreds and hundreds of stories of people in parachurch organizations, in, you know, missionary organizations, churches, all kinds of things where they're essentially told to confess their sins, whatever those are. And I mean like your deepest, darkest, you know, your mama don't know. You've only maybe talked to Jesus yeah. about it, like, but maybe not. One time as a woman, you wanted to kiss another girl. Sure. But even not even stuff that, but, no, but right, even but stuff that, doesn't that even wasn't mean necessarily, anything. Right. Exactly. Like that means nothing. But that's what the stuff But that's hang the stuff that they'll pull out every yep. single thing as, as maybe as embarrassing or as shaming or as uncomfortable. It doesn't matter. And then they, then there's some kind of penance. Mm-hmm. There's some kind of. I mean, this changes within organizations a bit. The storyline is all fairly similar. You you confess, you you share these these hard, th- difficult things to share, of which also we all have, by the way. Mm-hmm. Okay, no one is unique in their <laughs> sin. That, that we all have stuff we don't want to share, no matter what. And then they go through the system of like, well, how are you going to atone for that, basically? <sighs> How are you going to now you've confessed it? I mean, scripture just says you confess, you confess and you 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 ask for forgiveness and it's done. That's first John. Done. It's like a 20-second exchange with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But in a spiritual abuse situation, you have now given over yourself for in a form of spiritual blackmail. Yeah. 
where then they say, well, you now you need to do these things. You need to be accountable to us. You need to come and share with us and check in with we us. We can't be around other people so or you we don't can't negatively trust you with influence women, them. Or we can't trust you with men, which is shaming. Um, we need you to, we need to know how you're doing. So we're going to check in every week. Are, have you been looking at pornography? Have you been masturbating? Have you thought about kissing someone that you shouldn't be wanting to kiss? And so then it becomes an ongoing perpetuation of, of shame because mm-hmm. also that's literally in no way does scripture have any formula like this Yeah, in any capacity. None. And then people use all of that information that they have to control you. And to keep you feeling stuck and to keep you feeling like you have to buy into their system in order to be made clean, holy, new, you know, usable, whatever it is, worthy, worthy of your calling, whatever it is. (sighs) Gross. And, and so long as they have all that information, it's also going to get you hopefully to stay because that's if exactly you leave, right then you never know what they're going right. to do with that you situation. you don't know what they're going to do that's why it's blackmail and they use it to buy you into believing that they can fix it for you and i really think that that new york church was all about what oh, you're yeah. talking about here and i have mm-hmm. two things to say on here number one looping back to the supremacies conversation we just had this behavior never occurred to anybody on senior leadership. Mm. It, you do on senior leadership. There's yeah. very little accountability. Yeah. There's very That's little right. confessing your sins, That's and exactly it blows right. up only once somebody is like with hookers That's in right. Colorado, or there's That's a right. dugger. It's got to get to the to the top of the top. That's right. And even then, it'll outing. get protected and sweep, swept under the rug yeah. as best they can. But like, yes, you're right. Riots. There's it's, no it's, one at the top of leadership in churches is. And these kinds of systems are also sitting with other people in in an enforced accountability circle. Yeah. No, it's not happening. It's not. And I'm so thankful, as much as I hated having done it, because I remember thinking to the Lord, like, why? Why is this my story? Why is this the thing that I saw? And I think I know, especially as somebody who came out of a patriarchal family and cultural system who was subjected to abuse by by several of the people there mm-hmm. i think i was um not like pre predetermined not pre you know what i mean yeah yeah like i had the proclivity yeah. to, to entrust myself to yeah. things like that even though i didn't but i did yeah i think my my history and i believe and look i believe in a very good god that actually doesn't intend any evil. Yeah. I, I believe that. We will talk about how God is love and just, but in a different episode. But I think God was both loving and just, mm-hmm. in which, and both coincide here, when he allowed me to see that, because I think that broke in me any sort of starry-eyed wonder mm. of, of what I may have yeah. entered into, even though I did date some jokers after that that I knew better not to. And we all um, gotta date some jokers. It's just the way the world goes around. (laughs) And then number two, I know now. Like I can smell a rat. Mark Driscoll from the start. Oh yeah. I heard I was like, whoa. Oh yeah. Nope. I know from whence that spirit comes. And I'm out. Mm-hmm. And I offended so many people mm-hmm. by saying that I will not listen to Mark Driscoll yeah. and I will not come under his leadership. Yeah. Oh, people thought I was a heretic. Oh, yeah. And this absolutely. was like nine years. This was when we first moved to Phoenix because yep. Mark Driscoll has a church here in Phoenix. And people were like, Renee, he's here now. And I'm like, yeah, there's something not right no, about that guy. And they're not. like, what proof do you have? I'm like, the proof is my, my check Literally in my spirit. Literally the things that he says out loud too. from the pulpit <laughs> every day. But also the check in my spirit. Literally his face. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I was never, I've always felt the same as you. I've never, 
I could never understand. I didn't understand. I'm just saying it's easy for Literally. me to sit over here and judge and be like, I would never because I pegged pants. I never was on his train, but you know, I, don't know I think if you're, it's are. hard. It's easy. Well, it's well, easy. We've to, also been through some. Well, that's stuff. what I'm saying. I have been in. We've still both of us have been in environments where there was spiritual abuse happening. So it's not like mm. we were immune to it and we didn't. You know, I just think. There's a lot of other things that go on that contribute, that keep people where they are. And like I was saying, good stuff starts happening and you you go with it. You continue. Yeah. Because there are real – this is really the question. And you've got a story to tell here that I think can combine both of these. The one from that last church you were in, that big big one, where there was a lot of true spiritual growth, but there was a lot of true spiritual muck. Oh, that wasn't a big church, but that that was really my – Forte I cut you off. I'm sorry. Into no, no, that was really my forte into um, like experiencing any kind of real spiritual abuse. Um, Jonathan and I went to a church. Uh, we really were. It's there's feels like there's so much irony in it, but we really felt led there. You know the words. Well, let me pause Is you really quickly. About? Yes, yeah. because here's what I want to just point out really quickly. I think a lot of us have been like, "What the what?" Because. It really did feel like there was fruit. It really did feel like God led me. Right. And yet all of this other stuff was happening. And right. I want this is, I think, now what we're going to. Yeah. And for those of you who are wondering, like, well, why me? Why did I get why right. how did I how did I get duped? Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't actually know that my story applies because I don't feel like I was duped. But what I was actually starting to say before I was gonna share the story is Sometimes we just have to ask what we haven't been asking, what the church collectively hasn't been asking is, I mean, how much how much good justifies the bad? Yeah. I mean, if you have, you know, is a thousand salvations, does that justify one person being spiritually abused in a church? Mm-hmm. That's part of the question. My question, that's what, what what that podcast was asking. My question has become, what kind of people believe in an, in the kind of God that we believe in, who is, I believe, all justice, all righteousness, all good, all mercy, all love, all truth, all at the same time? What kind of God, if I believe in that kind of God, do I then believe that he can't produce good without producing all of this evil? Yeah. Wait, we say that not one that more he time. produces the evil, but that he can't that that good can't be produced without producing evil. I, I just I'm saying I believe in a God that can produce all good without the there need. being collateral damage of humans yeah, and of same. people of the people that he loves. Yeah, and I don't know why that's not an acceptable <laughs> and expected outcome for God's people. I don't know. I mean, we should be the people saying. We will absolutely never stand for any kind of harm or hurt to our family, because of which we are a part. And we also know simultaneously that God can do anything he wants without harming people in the process. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand why that's not just our default. Because of power. I know. I mean, I know the answer why. I just, it's a rhetorical why. It just is very... It hurts me when I think about it. Um, okay, so we went to, we started going to this church and we were, you know, quote unquote, led there, which is a separate story. And we're there and and it's a much more charismatic church than Jonathan and I had been at. We had been at this mega church that was very, it was like a Bible, just a Bible church. I say just, you know, a Bible church. 
pretty standard. They were they're actually cessationists. The church we had oh, I didn't come from. Know that. Oh yeah, that mega church. They're cessationists. Still? Um, oh yeah, it's like a known huh. thing. Yeah. See, um, when I got back to Phoenix, I checked out of the whole. So system. so then we go to this pretty charismatic church, and the pastors. We're there the first day. The pastor is preaching. And in the middle of his sermon, he walks over to Jonathan and points at him and says, you have an apostolic calling on your life Mm -hmm. and you need to meet some apostolic people. Hmm. And he just, that was it. And then he kept teaching. And we were like, oh, that was interesting. And the people there were like, yeah, that doesn't normally happen. That's not something he does. You should really talk with him afterward. Meanwhile, Jonathan had heard the name of a pastor just he had heard, not a pastor, he didn't know his pastor, he j- just had heard a name. He didn't know what that was. And then he meets the assistant pastor and that's the assistant pastor's name, this mm. name he had heard like a couple of days before. So we're like, okay, there's a couple of things. Like, when you, when you say he heard his name in the spirit, he yes, heard in his, his name. in the spirit, yes. I mean, I should give qualifiers. He had, the Holy Spirit had dropped a name into Jonathan's mind and he didn't know what it, who yeah. it was and that's who it ended up being. I know some of that sounds super strange. That's okay. Then listen, by by episode twenty seven, it's our experience. I know. And if you need a little bit of background, go to the praying but also hearing episode. Yes, that's the one. And then there's some smatterings of stuff in some other episodes. But so we start attending this church, and the head pastor, he just has a very dynamic personality. Let me put it that way. I really did not like him from the get-go. I almost immediately had bad feelings. Just, I didn't even know what it was. I just, I didn't feel settled and I didn't really like the whole environment. But really cool things were happening. Spiritual things were happening right away that we'd never experienced or we hadn't experienced together as a couple. We were having dreams, like all these prophetic dreams were happening. We were praying for people. People were getting healed, like actual healings. Like just really like the stuff that you, a lot of us long to experience. Like we read about in Acts and we want to have happen what they were happening on some level. And maybe about a month or two, probably about two or three months after being in that church, I went to sleep and I had a dream and I had one of the most disturbing dreams I've ever had in my whole life. I don't even know if I, do I share the dream? If you feel or part like of it. You want to, yeah. I had a dream <clears throat> that I was invited, that Jonathan and I were invited to the pastor's church or home and that all of the pastors of which there was like a community pastor, youth pastor, you know, assistant pastor, just like a normal church, whatever I would have, that they were all at this pastor's house and that everyone was in the backyard on the patio and that they started to, it's so messed up, they started to form an orgy. And I, and because I this dream was from God, there was nothing, um, I didn't see anything explicit. There was nothing graphic. But I knew, you know, when you have a dream, you know what's happening. Like, even mm. if you don't have a clear image, you have, you sense what's going on. And so... There were like arms coming out from this like bundle of people. It was like a twisted mass of bodies. And they were grabbing for me, mm-hmm. some of the arms, and, and some of the arms were grabbing for Jonathan. And we kind of just fought them off. And then that was the end of the dream. And I, I mean, I'm not even really, I mean, that's like the <laughs> very light version of what the dream was. I was so messed up from that dream for so long. I actually, I didn't tell Jonathan for a very long time because I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it meant. 
I was so disturbed by it. I was scared by it. Um, I didn't feel like I had a place to go with it. I didn't, I didn't feel like I could go to the people that I would have gone to because they were in the dream. And I had this sense, like, don't share this with these people. Mm-mm. And um, at any rate, I just for a long time counted it as a mayday, a serious mayday and warning of some kind. I didn't know why or what, but I just basically put up like a protective wall around myself Mm -hmm. in my mind and my spirit and was like, I'm not going to engage with these people at a a certain level, like they're cut off. Like I, I, I know that I need to protect myself. And so finally I did tell Jonathan, but I only ended up telling him because they were moving him so quickly into leadership at that church. They were like fast tracking him which normally they wouldn't have done. And there were all these other things happening. And I did not, I was very freaked out. Um, I ended up telling him the dream. And even through still all of that, we still felt like we were supposed to stay. And we did. And I watched all manner of things happen. I mean, I got to witness of had pastor just be spiritually abusive. I mean, domineering, controlling, manipulative. He very much operated as like breaking people down like military style like breaking people down to making them feel like they're worthless they can do nothing without his influence and his guidance and then building them back up into the like this form of himself essentially disgusting i mean it happened again and again and and then you could see all these kind of i mean like a it was like a house of zombies in a way like stepford wives like people were just regurgitated copies of him um and it was really terrible at the same time we learned so much yeah in terms of spiritual life and i don't even know how i can say that those two things coexisted but they did jonathan and i were i believe we were protected i actually think that that dream kind of insulated us from some of the other things and actually Jonathan being fast-tracked insulated us because he didn't go through the beatdown process Mm. he was just put in a opportunity to lead and in doing that we learned a lot that we actually needed in order to end up starting organic church yeah um and so it was a strange thing of like watching from the inside out like we're not a part of this but we could see what was happening. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Well, it feels like the very same thing that happened with me in New yeah. York. Like mm-hmm. I was watching everything happen and it was giving me a lesson and I was involved and not, I don't want to go into all of it. But what this, what your story reminds me of, I mean, not to bring Keanu Reeves in, but to bring Keanu <laughs> but Reeves in. But to bring in, Keanu Reeves in. The devil's advocate. Yes, that's right. That The whole thing, um, oh, Al Pacino, so Satan. And, and, that's and right. I don't want to give away. You got to go watch that movie. It's so good from the 90s. <laughs> so good. But very much this incestuous kind of demonic kind of stuff where it's mind control. It's Charlize Theron's character essentially goes crazy in that movie. And it's a very deliberate thing. If you can make somebody feel weak, you can have the power to control them. Right. That's exactly right. And what I appreciate about it is that you and Jonathan, in a sense, were able to lay down that power and to then start an organic church in which doesn't, you know, organic church doesn't give you like millions and millions of dollars, as it were. And yeah. doesn't, you know, give you well, the spotlight. Well, I mean, even um, not that it's, that by its very nature, it doesn't give us power. It's not exactly. It's, a, it's actually structured to not give us power. Okay, here's the really trippy part for me of this whole story. 
So Jonathan and I met two of our very closest friends at that church through that church. Mm-hmm. They ended up leaving before us um, for a lot of the same reasons. They knew what was going on. Um, they were trying. They were trying to get them into leadership, and they refused to participate in that. There's a lot more to that that I won't go into, but um, we stayed friends with them, and we there's still some of our closest friends to this day. And not maybe until I don't know four or five years ago, and this was like. 10 years ago total, maybe four or five years ago, we were all talking about that church together. We like brought it back up. We were having a conversation and, and the husband starts to tell me that he had this dream of an orgy of the leadership <gasps> having an orgy. Did you tell me this? I and that like maybe you did. And that the leadership were all enmeshed together and they were trying, they were reaching out and trying to grab his wife. Ew. So what does that mean? Like I, and you know, I, I was like, oh my, what? And I told him my dream and we just sat there staring at each other. We talked about it. This is what it is. <clears throat> One of the things, I mean, this isn't really, because this really belongs on our hearing, listening to God from God episode. We tend to think that God doesn't, wouldn't give us those kinds of dreams or those kinds of images. I and mean, like I said, I didn't see anything graphic. It's not like I saw nakedness. I didn't. I But I knew what it was. Because God views the kind I believe God views spiritual abuse mm-hmm. to be incestuous as wrong as some kind of incestuous something because it is an assault against his bride. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. an assault against his own body. Yeah, and so he chose some of the most graphic. I mean, it wasn't graphic, but you know what I'm saying imagery for both of us, yeah. totally independently of each other, to alert us. To the to the the depth of depravity of it, hmm. because that's how depraved it is in his eyes. And you know what it circles back to is Amnon and Tamar. That's right. Yeah. And I just I've held on to that and thought for so long since that time. Like, if I believe, if I really believe that, and I really believe that God views that kind of spiritual abuse as that harmful, that damaging, um, an assault against his bride, his own body. He'll do anything. Yeah. He'll do anything to uproot it, to remove it, to protect people. Now, of course, that doesn't speak to people who've been trapped in these systems and they haven't been able to break out of it or they've been really harmed. Mm-hmm. And we know that's a reality. I mean, I, I, it's not like I came out of any of this unscathed either, I want to say. I, when I say I feel like we were protected, it's not like I didn't still – I was still in that system, yeah. you know. Um, I think I just had a different measure of – um, discernment for some of it, but I definitely, you know, I got beat up in some of yeah. that and I had to detox some of that. Mm-hmm. So I don't, it doesn't give an excuse or a reason as to why people get so hurt. Um, but I just, I do know, and I hope people find comfort in it. I find comfort in just knowing how much I believe God abhors it yeah, and that he does want it eradicated. Yeah. And, and again, God wants us to trust his spirit within us. He wants us to trust ourselves. Trust your eyes. Trust yes. your ears. Yes. Trust, trust, you know, your physical reaction. If you walk into a church and all of a sudden you're like, mm-hmm. pay attention. That's right. Pay attention to that and say, okay, why am I having, I mean, it could be the air conditioning's on too high or it could be there's something <laughs> crazy happening. It could be my Mexican lunch. It, it could, could have been be... your Mexican lunch. It could be any of those things, but it could also be That's right. your a big alarm warning system going flight. off. And the more you listen to that, the more you're able to honor it. That's right. 
right. and to say, okay, this thing is happening. And I would even say reframing, ne- this is never to negate or minimize anything negative that has happened. But when you go back and you look and you think, you know, and me, okay, yeah, I'm innately a storyteller. I like, I, I, I look for patterns of meaning. I am an Enneagram 4. And when I look through the, for the patterns of meaning throughout, meaning throughout my life, specifically my spiritual life, I, I take a look of, and it's, it feels, when I take a look, it feels to have all come to a head right now professionally. Yeah. Where it's, where I feel called to call down supremacies. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm able to recognize supremacies because I've been a part that's right. Of of the one being oppressed yeah. by mm-hmm. certain systems mm-hmm. of oppre- mm-hmm. supremacies throughout my whole life. Mm-hmm. And you see them enough and enough and enough. And, and after a while, you can say, enough yeah. of this. I will no longer That's allow right. this to dictate my life. And when you look at all of these things, you talk about the militaristic kind of subjugation of people. When you hear stories of people after they confess, they have to do some some sort of penance, whether that's physical uh, work, whether it's physical push-ups, whether it's doing something for yep. the church. Think about what that all is. It's not only just a weakening, then it's also then moving them into places Again, of subjugation. That's right. Where now you don't necessarily have any autonomy. You do not have autonomy. And what you're what you're talking about is then you start to not be able to vocalize for yourself your yep. own desires, needs, wants. Yes. You don't trust yourself any longer. And you're silenced. Mm-hmm. And this is the opposite of the gospel. Mm-hmm. This is the opposite of what Christ That's came right. to do. This is the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. Mm-hmm. And for any of you who have been a part of systems like this, we are sorry. And because... I don't even know what to say because the the wrong that was done is is on such a supremely toxic and um undeniably offensive level that I don't even think that there is an apology big enough. Yeah. And when for you when we to finally talk about God and love and justice mm-hmm. There is justice coming for you, like a big old train choo-chooing his way Oof. with justice because it is it is not okay. I mean, don't you feel like more of that's even happening now? I mean, I don't... Yeah, I think more and more people are finally... Un- the uh, yeah. voiceless are that's getting their I voices think. back. I think that a lot of people in the church who have been voiceless are... Well, okay, I don't actually like the term voiceless. They haven't been voiceless. Either, They've yeah. been silenced. Yes, yes. They have a voice. That's their voice good. hasn't been heard. That's a good correction. That they are... They're voice is finally being amplified and there's more of a collective voice crying out and then we have you know for all the different people groups who have long felt not heard represented loved seen listened to um you know some of that is the church people inside of the church are really holding on to and you know using 2020 the events of 2020 as a catalyst even and some of what we were even talking about in the deconstructing episode i think there's more of that coming. I think there's more of a reckoning coming for the church and for abuse within the church. Yeah. It has to start at the church. Yeah. I really, I feel like there's going to be more. And more. I mean, even in the last year or two, like think of how many pastors have just been exposed, how many things have just been shared that have been going on behind closed doors. Yeah. Yeah. And not only do I think that it's going to be a reckoning for the church, but it's also going to be a reckoning for corporate systems. Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. you are going to see Mm -hmm. empires Mm -hmm. 
be, be called to account. And I think some of them are going to make it because they're going to own it and they're going to be able to overcome it by laying down their power and their privilege. Yeah. And I think you're going to see a lot of them just either continue to be abusive T-Rexes. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of this stuff that's going to happen because it's all happening for a reason now for a very specific reason. I don't, yeah. I'm no claim to know what it is, yeah. but I do know that there have been multiple communities and over a, a, a particular gender that has been suppressed. Yeah. Um, Jawaharlal Nehru has one of my favorite quotes about India. So uh, when Mahatma Gandhi was leading India out of um, British colonization, this was in the late 40s, uh, they wanted Gandhi to become prime minister of India and he passed on it. Mm-hmm. So one of his closest friends and comrades, Jawaharlal Nehru, took the place. And um, of, of and he became India's first prime minister in 1947. And as it were, uh, the first prime minister of what was then formed Pakistan was Jinnah. But Nehru, as I look up this quote, it's so good. Uh, long, hold on. I'm waiting. I'm patient. Is it going to find me? Is it going to find me? Um, yes. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You got to help me. You got to help me. Get it. Okay. Do it. Go away. Cookies, go away. Um, <laughs> Why are there cookies on everything now? What right. happened? I know. I. I what it, it, it was the a cookie new, explosion. It was a new. Um, it's a law that came out of the EU uh, originally in 2018. Uh, I hate it so and much. And then it came. And so you'll see specifically websites that are attached to the EU. I already the didn't like the it's technology. And now. I know. So here it is. Here it is. This is his his first speech. Long years ago, we made a tryst with de- tryst 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 with destiny, and now the time comes when we shall redeem our pledge, not wholly or in full measure, but very substantially. Mm. At the stroke of the midnight hour, when the world sleeps, India will awake to life and freedom. A moment comes, which comes but rarely in history, when we step out from the old to new, when an age ends, and when the soul of a nation, long suppressed, finds utterance. Oh my gosh, that's so good. That is one of my favorite quotes. Um, It is... um, and I love it because love it, it truly is the birth of a nation. Mm-hmm. It truly is the. It, but but India is in the Bible. India yeah. is in the Book of Eth- Esther. So it's not the birth of a nation. Yeah, yeah. It's the rebirth yeah. of a nation. Yeah. Uh, the rebirth of a nation that was oppressed right. for years, whose people were subjugated, whose people had been artists and chefs and scholars and poets and warriors. Mm-hmm. And who had been oppressed by another regime mm-hmm. and they became subservient yeah. against their will until they finally rose up. Mm-hmm. And that's India. That's India's you know, story. It's so amazing. And I think about that and I think that had happened 75 years ago-ish. And there are... I mean, my dad, we still don't know when my dad was born. He was born in what's now Pakistan. Yeah. You know the story. Yeah. And he came into this long suppressed India and they're still building back and thinking in 75 years. Yeah. So my dad was some of a family that they weren't wealthy, but they were 
they were good. Mm -hmm. But when they were forced out of Pakistan mm -hmm. into what's now India, they were moved into poverty. Mm -hmm. And the anger and the oppression and this, you not only did you take from me my home, mm -hmm. you took from me who I was and yeah. who I could be. My dignity, my, my future. My dignity, my money, my future, my everything. Yeah. And they were totally decimated. Yeah. And then my dad, by, by I guess, divine retribution, divine be beauty, I don't know, got an opportunity to come to the United States. Mm -hmm. He's the only one to this day, in, except for my brother and me, he's the only one married to a white person. Mm -hmm. He happened to marry a white person and have these two kids. And we happened to stumble upon Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I think, and even though we had pretty, pretty toxic upbringing, and I think about the cyclical nature of what happened not only to a country and a family and then another family within that, but I think about the emergence yeah. of what's happened to me, to, to some of my family members, both men and women, who have come out of oppression, abuse, actual abuse, and then also the spiritual abuse that happened. And I think about the reckoning. Mm -hmm. And... Sometimes it takes a long time, yeah. but it's coming. That's right. It's coming. And it's ours to take. Yeah, that's so good. And that's where I feel like we're all poised. That's why I feel like you and I are doing this. That's why I feel like you are listening to this because there is something within you that knows that there is something way, way better than this. That's right. And the reckoning is coming and we're going to take hold of it. It's so good. I love it. Let's just be done. Feel like I'm gonna cry. You can, I know. And it's not against anybody. That's not to no, say that like not. power down. I'm not saying that England is still doing just fine <clears throat> without India. They still get their tea from India. Oh, but tea. <laughs> so they still get cricket. I think cricket, yeah, cricket was from India and then yeah. came to England. So you know, England took what it needed to take to stay good. And it stayed fine, but India is coming back. I think, though, I love your point of just, I mean, for those who are coming out of, even if just to individualize it, people who are coming out of an abusive situation, a spiritually abusive situation, who might be listening to this, just thinking that that's not the end of your story, mm -mm. right? And it can really feel like in the depths of that when you're isolated, when you've been manipulated when you've been coerced and controlled um and suppressed that that's your story and that that's the end of your story and and people want you to forget in those systems that our god is in the business of creating new things and that he loves creating new things and that he's singing a new song over all of us yeah. and that in some ways it can be the beginning of yeah a lot of things yeah. And it doesn't have to be the end of things. Um, so I know there's a lot more we could say on the subject, but I feel like we should just finish with your beautiful oh. India analogy and comparison and story and, you know. Maybe the title of this one should be Spiritual Abuse, but also India's Independence. Yeah. Let's really <laughs> confuse people. Let's throw that up there. See what happens. Oh, but maybe instead of India, but also our independence. Maybe Ooh, that. Maybe I, I, oh, yeah, yeah. we don't have a title. We'll for work this on one. it. It's a working title. That's the working title. It's true. All right. So peace in the Middle East and everywhere, all day long, including in your heart of hearts, including in your heart. That's right. Forever.
All right. We love you. We are appreciative of you and we will see you soon. Thanks for listening. So here's what we would love for you to do. Rate. Review. Subscribe. And tell us how much you love us because we are just so lovable. (laughs) So lovable. But it actually does make a difference and it does help people find this podcast. If you like this podcast and you care about not only but also, you know, if you drop a little line there on Apple Podcasts and give us a little review, it actually means something. It does. And on Facebook, on Instagram, on any of these kinds of things. Listen, if we in any way have helped you see the both and better, let other people know so they too can see more clearly. We are Noba Podcast everywhere. Thank you.